Hello and welcome to Filling the Sink, a podcast from Catalan News. My name's Lorcan Doherty and today we're talking about high-speed rail. Spain is home to the longest high-speed rail network in Europe and the second longest in the world after China. Catalonia's network, centred on Barcelona, extends to Madrid, north to France, but not that far south along the Mediterranean coast. A recent shake-up liberalising the high-speed network has had some big knock-on effects. Coming up, Cristina Tomás-White takes a trip to Paris from Barcelona, a route previously jointly operated by the Spanish and French state-owned railway companies before the recent split. Plus, we'll be hearing from a startup looking to bring night trains to Europe and a group lobbying for better public transport. And considering air travel's contribution to the climate emergency, is high-speed rail travel a realistic alternative for journeys between Catalonia and the rest of Europe? I'm joined for today's podcast by Gifrey Jordan. Hi, Gifrey. Hi, Lorcan. How's it going? Going very well, thank you. So we're talking about high-speed rail in Catalonia. Do you want to give us a little overview of the network here? Absolutely, yeah. It all started in back in 2008. That means 15 years ago when the uh, route between Madrid and Barcelona was launched after many years of works. We're talking about 620 kilometers covered in uh, two hours and 30 minutes, if there's no stops, some trains don't stop in any other station. And those who stop uh, take around three hours, more or less. Yeah, I mean, it's incredible speed. 310 kilometers an hour, that the AVE train. AVE is, of course, the name of the high-speed network in Spain. And Barcelona-Madrid is the busiest uh, route on that. And you can check the amount of trains going from Barcelona to Madrid. So in a normal day, you get 41 in each direction. So that is amazing. It's very clear that we are talking about the most successful high-speed rail route in Spain with 38 million passengers from 2008 to 2021. So it peaked in 2019 at 4.3 million passengers in in a single year. Obviously, it's dropped a little bit with the pandemic and it's coming back. Uh, Beyond Barcelona, then within Catalonia, there are four other stations on the high-speed network. Absolutely, yeah. And they cover the same route, basically. So you can go from any station in Catalonia to Madrid, for instance. Beginning from the north, we've got Figueras. Then a little bit down, we find Girona station, then Barcelona, then uh, Tarragona, and then Lleida. I just wanted to very quickly mention about the Tarragona one, that there was loads of controversy uh, surrounding this station when it was created, because it's actually not in Tarragona. It's in Camp de Tarragona. It's somewhere between Reus and Tarragona, 25 minutes away from uh, Tarragona by car, meaning that it's very different from the others. Uh, Most of the other stations are in the center yeah. or very close to the city center. It's one of the beauties of rail travel is, you know, you get out and you're in the city and you're That's ready to explore. Like, for example, Girona is 37 minutes from Barcelona. You know, it takes me longer to get to work. That's so the it's point. Like, I could be in Girona and but walking co- around the streets. But, but of course, you've got to remember that Tarragona has a very vast Roman heritage. It's not that easy to, to get a train yeah. in Tarragona above the ground or under the ground. It's not that easy. There's loads of archaeological sites and, and Roman heritage there. So they decided this, but it was very controversial. And then beyond Catalonia, the route extends outwards. So yeah, especially from Barcelona and sometimes from the other stations, you can go directly without any change to cities such as Zaragoza, for instance, in the Aragon region, neighboring Catalonia, to Madrid, and even to Seville. Actually, there's, there's 
some trains that go directly to Seville. Most of them need a change in Madrid, but some go directly to, to Seville. And what about, I said earlier on about, you know, along the Mediterranean coast, maybe the connection isn't quite as good. We've got Valencia, which is the third biggest city in Spain. Uh, what about the connection there? Yeah, it's good that you bring this up because this is by far the, the most important thing to work on in the Spanish high-speed train network. There's no direct connection from Barcelona to Valencia, although they are quite close with high-speed trains. So you can obviously go by train, but it's not so high-speed <laughs> trains, let's say. <laughs> and it's it gets a little bit ridiculous because uh, Valencia is just 350 kilometers away from Barcelona, and you get uh, trains that cover this distance in two hours and 47 minutes. But Barcelona-Madrid trains, we said before, two hours and 30. So, And Barcelona-Madrid is 620 kilometers. And if you want to go to Valencia in high-speed trains, you have to go through Madrid. Yeah, which so that's the sense. criticism that, that the whole network is centered on Madrid to the detriment maybe of some other routes covering big areas of population. Exactly. For decades, there's been this uh, controversy that all the Spanish governments in charge of this network have been very centralists, with Madrid being the center, let's say. So there's this concept of la España radial, you know, the radial Spain. I don't uh -huh. know how, if it's understood in, in English. It's like a hub and spoke system, you would say in English. Absolutely. Okay, yeah. So that means that, for instance, routes like the Mediterranean corridor is not covered yet. But it's it's work in progress, so it's supposed to to be finished at some point. But yeah. And what about obviously Barcelona is very close to France. What about the connection there, and then beyond to the rest of Europe? Yeah, back in 2010, there was uh, some milestone for train engineering with this tunnel that was built between the administrative borders uh, of uh, Spain and France. In, under the Pyrenees? Under the Pyrenees, exactly. That's what it is. And that enabled a high-speed connection between Barcelona and Paris in 2013. So it's for 10 years, we've been connected with Paris in six and a half hours. That's something game-changing. And that has been operated jointly by Renfe and SNCF, the Spanish and French state-owned railway operators. But now SNCF are operating this route on their own. And uh, as it launched, Keith, they got in touch with us to see if we wanted to go along. Exactly. Yeah. One of the first uh, journeys from Barcelona to, to Paris. It was a journalist school trip. <laughs> uh, we got lucky to get one invitation. And Christina was the lucky one. There were some fights in the newsroom there. But in the end, uh, Christina prevailed. Christina. OK, well, let's take a listen to Christina's report. We've just left Barcelona on the first, okay, technically not the first, but one of the first SNCF trains to Paris without Remfit in nine years. I'm here with a group of journalists from Barcelona and some from Madrid who've been invited to cover the event by SNCF. Jean-Michel, the train driver, welcomes us aboard. This TGV Inuit train, he tells us, will be going 200 kilometers an hour until Figueras, the last stop before France, before slowing down until Nîmes, where it'll pick up the speed again to 300 kilometers an hour all the way to Paris Gare de Lyon. All in all, the trip is supposed to take a bit over six hours and 45 minutes. SNCF representatives are quick to jump into a series of presentations telling us about their vision for the future, 
an eco-friendly travel option for 800,000 passengers annually aboard two trains in each direction every day, three in the summer. And their reasons for ending things with Renfe, as well as the cross-border connections with Marseille and Lyon. They've lost around 10 million annually on these lines, they explain. And they say it's also been hard to cooperate with Renfe while also competing with them ever since SNCF launched the low-cost Wigo service between Barcelona and Madrid. It's hard to take in the scenery during the presentations, which only allow us a brief but loud pause as we go through the Pertus tunnel. It was built under the Pyrenees, making the cross-border high-speed route possible since late 2013. We're soon rushing past the lagoons between Perpignan and Narbonne, and at some point it almost looks like we're floating because there's water on both sides of the train. It's absolutely breathtaking. Well, I'm in Montpellier at the moment. We've been here for the past 10, 15 minutes. I've kind of lost track of time. It was only supposed to be a quick stop, but from what I've been able to gather, they are having some sort of technical issue with the train. And here we are. C'est la vie. We end up leaving Montpellier 47 minutes later than expected, but at least we've been offered cheese and wine that made the wait a lot easier. I get up to explore the train with Miguel, a colleague from ACN. It's a double decker that looks pretty full. Most passengers seem to be speaking French, making me wonder how many of them hopped on on the other side of the border. So we're about an hour away from Paris, which means we're not making the press conference that we were supposed to be at right now. We're still out in the middle of nowhere. Looking out the window, it looks very, very cold, very frosty. Please make sure you take all your belongings with you. The sound of suitcases making their way down the platform at Gare de Lyon in Paris. The last uh, hour or so was kind of stressful there. Internet was just not working. And of course, uh, me and my other colleague from ACN were the last ones off the train. But we're in Paris. We are being handed gifts. So, nice, pleasant surprise. We are quickly whisked off to dinner at the luxurious Intercontinental Hotel, where we're greeted by the SNCF officials who were supposed to be at the press conference we missed. Alain Krakowicz, who's in charge of TGV Intercité's high-speed trains within France, tells us he worries there's what he calls SNCF bashing in Spain, which I find somewhat amusing. He clearly hasn't heard a Catalan talk about Renfe. The dinner and the speeches go on for a while. I learn about the complexities of launching the Barcelona-Paris line without Renfe, including getting French train drivers licensed in Spain since there's not an EU-wide system yet. A few hours later, we're finally able to call it a day. The next morning at breakfast, we meet with Jean-Baptiste Guénon, the head of SNCF Voyage Europe. To the disappointment of many a train enthusiast, he tells us they don't plan on having sleeper trains between Barcelona and Paris anytime soon, nor do they have plans to start up the Marseille and Lyon connections again either. 
It's too, quote, costly. And after a tour of TGV high-speed operations center at Gare de Lyon and a quick lunch, it's soon time to leave. Somewhere in the middle of France, not too sure where, south of Paris, and just looking out the the window, it's beautiful outside. It's snowed, not too heavily, but there's a light coat of snow over the fields, which is something I haven't seen in, in a while in Barcelona. We're stopped in Montpellier again, um, this time on the way back. Apparently there is a cargo train that's had some sort of issue that's on the line um, ahead of us and that's why we cannot move. The train is over two hours late. We've been given snacks and we're told passengers are entitled to a refund, but at this point all anyone wants is for the journey to end. The last few stops in France feel eternal. That's not entirely inaccurate, since the train can't run as fast on this part of the line. We stop in Sète, Agde, Béziers, Narbonne, Perpignan, and then Figueres before picking up speed again to Girona, and then finally Barcelona. Exhausted is an understatement. The trip's taken us almost nine hours. Well, not exactly all plain sailing there. Maybe a few early teething problems as SNCF kind of managed that route on their own, perhaps. Christina mentioned that the routes from Barcelona to Lyon and Marseille are no longer running, but they might be making a return. Yes, uh, Renfe has just been given permission to run trains solo, let's say, uh, in France. And they said that they aim to get the Barcelona, Lyon and Barcelona, Marseille services back before summer. This summer? Okay, so that's something to watch out for. Exactly. No one has talked about Toulouse, though. Uh, We had trains from Barcelona to Toulouse direct to before the pandemic. This was discontinued during the pandemic or halted during the pandemic. And neither of the two companies have announced any any return of this line. Christina also mentioned WeGo, which is uh, SNCF's uh, low-cost brand, as one of the reasons behind the split between you know Spain's Renfe and France's SNCF. Uh, it's part of the whole liberalization of the high-speed network in Spain, which is kind of mixing things up, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Because uh, now we no longer have only Avis. You know, we have two other companies. We go, this French one, as you mentioned, and Irio, uh, which is Italian. So you've got quite a wide offer. And obviously the impact for passengers is clear. More trains and cheaper, actually. Some offers even lower the prices to to 10 euros or even less than that. So so that's amazing. You've got to watch out for offers and and always buy in advance. If you buy like months in advance, you can go from Barcelona to Madrid for 10 euros. Yeah, so Irio just joined the party there in in November. But, you know, if I've seen the the striking kind of red livery of their trains here in, in Barcelona Stand Station, you can't miss them. Now, for destinations further afield, one of the most comfortable ways to travel, maybe, is 
by night trains. Giffrey, you've been looking a little bit this week about the, the current situation in night trains because we've heard all sorts of rumours and stories kind of come every few years about is Barcelona get night trains to this destination or that. So what's the current situation? Well, we have to say that uh, some train fans dream of the Orient Express of <laughs> 21st century. This is, this is something that a lot of people dream about. But we don't have great news about it, unfortunately. So there is uh, some initiative of night trains in Europe called Nightjet. That's the main one. It's uh, some uh, state train companies joining forces to create cross-border routes at night. It's mainly based in Central and Eastern Europe, isn't it? Yes, the Swiss and the Austrian state companies are the ones promoting it. They are the ones that should do it because they're in the center <laughs> of, the, of the continent, so that's maybe easier. And these guys announced some route from Zurich to Barcelona in late 2024. Everyone got excited and so on. This happened in 2020, but we haven't heard anything else about it. I called them this week and they said that this project has been put on hold, actually. So they don't rule it out, but they don't have date anymore. And they argue financial issues like problems to get funding to to make it work. Right, right. Okay. Well, Christina already mentioned earlier that the French operator SNCF isn't planning on introducing night trains to Barcelona yet. And I've talked to Renfe too. They had this train hotels. That's something very old that they used to have no longer. And they are not planning on any return of these night trains Okay, but all is not lost. You did speak to someone who is intent on bringing night trains to Catalonia, and pretty soon. Yes, I talked to Roman Payet. Uh, He's the co-founder of a startup called Midnight Trains. Okay, and you also caught up this week with the head of the Association of the Promotion of Public Transport here in Catalonia, Adria Ramirez. Let's take a listen. High-speed lines tend to work really, really well up to four, four hours, quite well up to six hours, and then night trains work well up to 12 hours or 14 hours. This is Adria Ramirez, president of PTP Group, lobbying for more public transport. He thinks that taking this into account, overnight journeys to Rome, Milan and Zurich should be possible. And there would definitely be customers, he says. People wanting to travel to Paris in six hours and people want, and other people that might want, or the same people at a different time, might want to travel to Paris in 10 hours, but sleeping on the train. For example, you know one person that used to go to a university in Paris and, and when, when she came, uh, she could use that the train and you can arrive to Paris at 8 a.m. and go to university already or go to work or whatever. He regrets the introduction of high-speed trains, meaning the end of night trains, and disagrees with Spanish and French companies saying the fastest services already cover the needs of former overnight travelers. Midnight Trains, an ambitious startup, agrees with him as they are planning to offer night services, as co-founder Roman Payet explains. Most probably the first line will be from Paris to Milan and Venice. Then we want to expand by launching one new line per year, uh, and Barcelona is definitely within the next two months. The first trains from Paris to Barcelona, with one daily service each way, may run in 2026 or 2027, and they want to connect Catalonia with Milan, Florence and Rome in the longer run. Yet, if the project ends up coming to life, prices may not be lower than 150 euros one way. Both PTP and Midnight Trains agree that planning cross-border routes is a nightmare. Uh, Europe 
is definitely not Europe when we talk about railway. Each country has its own um, technical requirements, legislation, distribution system. It feels like the European institutions are trying to create with trains, with railway infrastructure, what we have achieved with many other topics, but we are not yet there. Our thanks to Roman Payet and Adria Ramirez. Adria, they're talking about uh, night trains, um, but there are a few other things he would like to see improved with the network as well, Gifre. Yeah, absolutely. His main complaint is uh, the Mediterranean corridor not being finished. So that's something that we mentioned. So this is something key that he, he thinks should be sorted anytime soon. And he even says that authorities should also look into trains not only to France, but maybe also to, to Italy. That's not that far away uh-huh. and should be possible. But uh, as we heard in, in, this, in this report, cross-border trains are very difficult also for, you know, paperwork, yeah. regulations, different requirements by national governments. So it's a bit of a mess. A bit tricky. Um, but is it the way forward? Because we hear more and more about the climate emergency. It's affecting us here in Catalonia. I've done several podcasts on it. And of course, when it comes to planes versus trains, trains are obviously much more eco-friendly and stuff. And so for, there's so many short haul flights maybe this is the way forward. You know, we need more cross-border trains. I mean, in terms of my own high-speed rail experience, I, I took the train from, you know, to, to Madrid and back from Barcelona. And, you know, I have to say, it's a, it's a really just comfortable experience. You know, you, you fly by so quickly, you arrive in the city centre, you can get up and walk around and you've got more space. And, 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 uh, and you know, with all the competition that we talked about earlier as well, you can get cheap tickets too. So, I mean, uh, flights between Barcelona and Madrid, for example, Kifri, have come way down since this high-speed rail link opened. Yes, because a lot of people think the same as you <laughs> and me. It's so comfortable to, to travel by train. It's not like commuter trains in which it's packed and full of people standing. There's no people standing whatsoever. That's important. So you've got to... Be careful also with that because it's a limited offer. You know, whenever all the seats are sold out, there's no more space. When they're gone, they're gone. You can't just push on, you know, it's just seats. So before 2008, when the high-speed train connection started, we had 5 million passengers from Barcelona to Madrid by flight per year. And uh, just before the pandemic in 2019, this figure lowered to 2.4 million, half of it, basically. Okay, so it shows you if you put the infrastructure in place, you put the connections in place, then then people will make that choice. Absolutely. Um, SNCF uh, told us that there are eight flights for every train between Barcelona and Paris. So maybe that's something that, uh, you know, gradually will change over time. Yeah, maybe this is a reality in the future. What is clear is in the future, these high-speed trains will go on the rise probably because Barcelona is building a massive hub, a public transport hub in La Sagrera. And the main aim of this hub is to have more capacity for high-speed trains because Sand Station is getting small, yeah. small, well, small. Well, if, if you come through it on the commuter trains, you'll often have a wait just before coming in. So, yeah. Those only six tracks for high-speed trains and now there are three companies. It is getting complicated, more complicated <laughs> to, to handle. Time now for our Catalan phrase. What's it this week, Ifrey? Deixar-lo amb la mel a la boca. Leave someone with honey on their mouth. Yeah, that's what it is. That's what it is. <laughs> uh, so I would guess that it means leave someone feeling sweet, no, or happy. No, no, uh, no. On the contrary, <laughs> on the contrary, because if the honey is in the mouth, 
it's not in your not stomach, your tummy, you right? Know? Okay. It, it, it didn't reach. So that's what this night jet initiative probably uh, left all train fans in Barcelona. They said they would do Zurich to Barcelona at night, but it didn't happen in the end. So, so the, the, we are all being left with honey in, in the mouth, but not we weren't able to swallow them. Deixar algo amb la mel a la boca. Well, thanks very much for joining me today, Gifre. A pleasure, Lorcan. Our thanks to Christina as well for her report from the trip to Paris. Uh, thanks to SNCF, uh, thanks to Roman Payet and to Adria Ramirez as well. Most importantly, thanks to you for listening. We're back again next week with another episode of Filling the Sink. Until then, for me, Lorcan Doherty, and all of us here at Catalan News, bye for now, adeu, and if you're getting the train, bon viaggio.